is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Samuel W. Gailey, we continue the conversation on his creation of Come Away From Her. We also dive very deep into the writing process and his daily rituals. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Samuel W. Gailey. Come Away From Her, this the latest, yeah. the latest novel, right. <laughs> um, deals with you know the Me Too movement and this just the situation at large and you you're covering there's alcoholism what it means to be a part of a community all these different dynamics i mm -hmm. i can i can only imagine i'm curious how how you respond to you know putting these things down on paper in such vivid detail you know to tap that part of your brain is there a, a large sense of discomfort or do you always feel removed in some sense as though you're creating this world or how do you view these traumatic events without sanitizing? Uh, well, you know, a theme that's in a lot of my novels is um, individuals grappling with addiction because that's that's very personal. That comes from um, I have a family history of addiction. I've struggled with it, and I, I think it's something that many people can relate to. Um, and it's very cathartic for me to, to write about it. So the main character... Um, is grappling with addiction and also his faith. And, and then, um, you know, after I wrote my first book, it was, it was a book, you know, about men, you know, living in the country. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to explore other, obviously there's a lot of other things to write about. And as I was coming up with the ideas of come away from her, um, there's, you know, in my own family, there's been um, incidences of, uh, of abuse. Um, and I just wanted to write about these kind of stories about women overcoming and struggling with, with sexual abuse, mental abuse. Um, and it all sounds very heavy. Mm. And these, you know, my characters struggle with it, but and come away with her, I feel like it does, all these characters are fighting their own demons and they do come away from the story with a sense of hope and resolution. Um, so I don't want to make all of your viewers completely think this is a downer story. Um, but yeah, it's dealing with real issues because that's what, that's where we live. That's what we're, that's what we're looking at, especially nowadays. We, we see a lot more of it. A lot more people are talking about it. And that's the thing I noticed. I, first of all, thank you for addressing it because I know people will grow and learn from, you know, reading someone else's story. There's just so much, I think I wish, I wish more people would read. I feel like there's so much education in fiction and nonfiction writing. Right. That just, so thank you for doing it. Um, sure. With all of your stories, there is that juxtaposition between traumatic and then forgiveness or one's growing mm -hmm. or what, what, what is it about that? that fascinates you on human, human behavior, you know, more specifically, what is it about, what, what fascinates you about the, the decision one makes to change particularly, and I'm thinking on the addiction right now, but I'm, I'm right. always wondering why someone finally decides to make a change. I don't know if you have anything to add on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I find when I read books and watch films about addiction, you know, I'm always rooting for that person to get through the struggle. Um, cause I've seen the struggle, you know, in my own family where they don't succeed mm. in, 
in battling the addiction and getting, you know, getting their feet on the ground. Um, fortunately, I've been, um, I'm in a good place now where I've been able to do it. And I, I just think that, you know, whether it's addiction, there's this, you know, mental health is affects everyone, um, you know, you know, behind the veneer of, of what we try to project, you know, we're all, we're all fighting something. Right. And, and I think we could all, you know, grow and learn and struggle and, and it, you know, we can get over these things and there's really, there's, I used to be ashamed of it. And there, to me, there's no shame with, you know, um, addiction and mental health issues. It's just, um, it's just part of the human process. And, um, I like to write about it and I like to show that there is a sense of hope with, with all my characters as they battle this. Yeah. Is there a particular, I know we're focusing on the novels right now, but I also do want to touch right. on, you know, sc screenplay writing and just all of it as yeah. well. Is there okay. a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount? Oh, okay. Um, you know, probably, you know, the novels, you know, are a deeper dive into who I am and what I, what, what I've learned and how I've grown. Um, my screenplays, not as much so. And I, I really like the, the screenplay process. Um, and I've had different writing partners um, over the years. You know, I worked with Anne for a long time, but then I also wrote with a, a friend of mine, Brian Price, and we, we wrote straight up comedies, which a lot of people think when I talk about some of the scripts I've written, like the f one script that we wrote that won, you know, it won this writer's uh, prize, the final draft or a script of Palooza. We won like some money on it. And the title of the book was called Whale Farts. And it was about, it was like a modern take on Moby Dick. So, and Anne hates when I talk about Whale Farts because she thinks it's so lowbrow and embarrassing, but... <laughs> But I came from a comedy, you know, with Brian, we would just write these outrageous comedies. Um, that doesn't really answer your question about what I've learned, but I guess <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. 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 Well, with your, with the writing process too. So do you, are okay. You have these projects you're working on that have deadlines. Do you right. balance that with journaling or scribbling or just like a brain, you know, emptying your brain out onto a piece of paper? Do you meditate through writing or otherwise? I'm yeah, that's a good actually way to say it, meditate through writing. Um, I'm really disciplined with my writing because like we've spoken about, I'm, I have a very addictive personality. So I, I've channeled my um, need, you know, you know, I, I don't, I don't do anything a little bit, you know, I don't have this one little drink. Um, so with writing, you know, it's really almost every day and it, it gives me, it puts me in a good place. You know, if I'm sitting down and making my notes and just putting my, my thoughts on paper, that's, that's a good thing. And that's my process. So, mm -hmm. and my process is I do start on paper. All my ideas start, you know, I do an outline, you know, I have my characters, and then I actually handwrite the first draft of all my novels, which most of my novels are, you know, 300, 350 pages, but it's all handwritten. It's all in a notebook. And to me, that's my favorite part of the process where you're not on a keyboard censoring yourself and, and deleting and going back and correcting typos. You're just, it's just your notebook and your pen and you're, it's a free flowing 
organic process where you're not slowing down or, um, you know, second guessing yourself. Mm. And how long does that first draft usually take? I would say the handwriting, handwritten process takes about, about 12 months, maybe. And are you doing every other line so you can go back and edit or no, it's just writing it? No, it's just filling. Uh, I like these rodeo notebooks and I just fill these notebooks. Um, so I fill every line and then I usually have about five or six of them when I'm done. And then when I sit down in front of the computer and I start to input it, that's when I start to edit. Um, and then the editing process takes me, you know, another six, 12 months. Then I get, you know, I have, I have my agent read it and, and, and reads every part of my writing along the way. So, um, I definitely get notes and feedback. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's how I do it. But I started a notebook. I, I love that. And prior to that notebook, this is, you've already spent, would you say, I mean, this idea has met You've been in your brain for a number of years at this point. Cause I know you said, you know, with deep winter, there was reading other novels and getting that information and how much time before you begin when you decide, okay, it's time for the notebook. I start the notebook very early. you know, like even this new book that I'm working on, which is historical fiction, you know, I date it and I just write down um, where I'm thinking about setting the story, um, the basic premise, start to write the characters, um, characters that inspire me, um, questions about uh, maybe a community or a topic or um, uh, like like in this new one, it takes place in the late 1790s. So there's there's been a ton of research on in this new book. But um, yeah, the note I need the notebook because I don't retain very well. So I just need just to it's basically just always there in my bag with me. And thank you for getting so nitty gritty here. I have a few more. I'm just really curious about the process here for you. Oh, yeah, I like uh, it. What is the um, what is what does a day look like for you? And how do you how do you break up your day and, and divide up when you're going to sit down and write and take your breaks if you do? So I'm more the morning person in the family. So uh, we have a, uh, we have a daughter that um, I would always take her to school. And then after dropping her off at school, I would go and either work at a coffee shop or in a park. Mm. I like to work outside um, and write from basically nine to noon and then get some fuel, get eat something, and then write a little bit in the afternoon. Um, and then as I got towards the end of the day, my brain isn't firing as well. So I'm more of like a morning, early afternoon guy. And typically, you know, it, it's five days a week. Um, and it's not like I have to say, okay, Sam, sit down, get this done, do it. It's because I need, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun just to sit down with my thoughts, my stories, so there's no, it's not um, fingernails on a chalkboard. It's like, this is my good Zen place to be is with my notebook and my coffee. Hmm. I, I'm curious, you know, and I, I like to ask some pretty heady questions, if you will. I, I am curious okay. through all of this writing, what has writing done for you personally? Um, I think writing has made me less judgmental and more accepting of people. I think when I was a younger adult, um, I might've had some more intolerance um, based on being young, being ignorant, being just not patient. And as uh, with writing, 
you know, with writing, you're just thinking so much about characters. And I'm not always writing characters that I like or that I want to be. Mm. You know, a lot of the characters I write about are people that I wouldn't want to be in the same room with. But, you know, writing enables you just to, you know, we're all formed and we all walk this, you know, we all walk around um, and we're all different. So I think it's just helped me be a more tolerant person. That's a great answer. I feel like <laughs> so you can go through life in such a better <laughs> way when you're just more understanding of the people around you, their stories, their journeys, their struggles, or their own biases. So, yeah, and it's not just my writing. It's just I'm I'm an avid reader now, which helps. And just you know, you know, I love movies, but reading a novel again is another is is this single journey, and it's so much fun to get into another author's head. And I mainly read non, I mean, I mainly read fiction. Hmm. Um, but I think it's so important as a writer to read other people's work, not to, uh, it's really basically get inspired. Like it makes me want to be a better writer when I read a really good book. Hmm. What, and when I read characters that are just so well-formed. Any come to mind that you're in the middle of right now or just finished? Well, a recent book that I just rave about is called The Push. And it is it was uh, her first novel, and it's such a good book. It just, you're on pins and needles the whole read because, um, you know, it's, it's all from the main character's perspective, but she, she's not completely reliable. Mm. So it's, it's just such a wonderful read if you like that kind of, read that makes you uncomfortable because this is a woman that's raising children and you're not sure where and how it's going to end. Um, and it was just, um, those are the kind of books that I can't put down and I don't want this, you know, I don't want the ride to finish. Mm. Do you find, and I, I'm so curious because of your books being character driven when you're doing your research and I know you said you, you read other novels, you read, other, you know, you collect your information from reading. How much of this information are you collecting uh, from other forms of intake from just interacting with people in public or um, watching TV or watching films or uh, listening to the radio podcasts? I would say uh, a lot of the characters I write about are composite characters of people I grew up with. Okay. Yeah. Um, most of my stories take place in the eighties. Yeah. Um, cause I don't like technology. Okay. Um, Why? I'd um, I think technology is an easy way for characters to get out of a, a out of a problem or a dilemma. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a cell phone or a computer, um, you're not isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always go back to isolation. So in Northeastern Pennsylvania in the mid eighties, you're, if it's your problem, you got to figure it out yourself, especially when you're writing about fiction and drama or a thriller. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like technology, um, in my fiction, um, so much. I love that you don't shy away from the pressure <laughs> put on a person that makes them grow. And I think that's, uh, it's wonderful that you can capture that over and over again, because that's the most, thank you. That's the most interesting thing to read about is when someone is pushed to a limit and they have to change something. And if, you know, and I like when characters keep making mistakes, you know, in the books that I read, it's, um, 
you know, you, you want them, you want them to get out of their dilemma, but if they make a mistake and they get in deeper, gosh, that's even better. That's even, you know, now they're even deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just love that you capture that. Um, in life, how do you, if you do balance achievement versus fulfillment? Um, that's a tough one. You know, I, I, I feel like as a, I rarely celebrate my, my victories or achievements. It's always, uh, not always, but I tend to think how I could, uh, improve my writing, um, how I could be better. So I, I don't know if that comes from my upbringing. Um, and sometimes I think we all are guilty of that. Sometimes we don't celebrate our successes. You know, I mean, you've got a very successful, um, podcast and I don't know if you ever just sit there and go, gosh, this, I love what I do. This is really cool. Yeah. Or are you thinking about, oh, I gotta, you know, what can I do next? I think sometimes we just don't, we don't embrace, you know, what we've earned and that's too bad. And I'm speaking from that personally, um, because, you know, it is, it's, there's nothing I'd rather do than be a writer. And the fact that I'm still invited back to the party that, uh, publishers still, you know, want my books, that is a privilege. And I see that. Um, but it's only when I talk about it out loud that I realize, okay, I, this, I feel fortunate, um, about where I'm at right now. So that's a great yeah. answer. Yeah, I would, I agree with you. I'm in that uh, more of that category of looking back. You're like, Oh yeah, that happened. What's the next thing? <laughs> well, I think that's overachievers. You know, you, you don't look back too much. It's more, you look forward and that makes people like us keep wanting to do things unexpected or out of the ordinary. And that's, that's what I like about my life is I don't know where, like, I don't know where I'm going tomorrow and that's okay. Mm. Um, but I hope that's, you know, I hope it's interesting. I hope, you know, I hope the next story I tell is even more compelling than the last one. Mm. Where you grew up and where you live mm -hmm. now in a way, I mean, they're very different, but they're similar in the right. sense of they're, they're relatively isolated. Uh, <laughs> right. And it's, it, you know, it takes quite, it's quite a journey, not quite a journey, but it's more than just driving down the road to get out to where you and, and live. Um, I'm, I'm curious, how do you, if you ever feel the need to switch up your day to day or take a total pause, do you like a work life balance? Do you ever try to take a week off or is that the weekend for you? Not really. I mean, and this, so to put it in context, you know, I grew up in Northeastern Pennsylvania and now I live on an Island in the Pacific Northwest, uh, where you have to take a ferry, you know, uh, it takes about an hour and a half to get here. And then once you're here, you know, you're here. Um, yeah. And so, yes, yeah, so it's very isolated. It's, it's different. You know, they're, they're on different coasts, different mentalities. But um, uh, as far as do I ever need to um, take a break? Like, do I need to go on? And Anne and I, we're, we're not really vacation kind of people. Um, even when we do go on a vacation, we're still taking our work. We're still talking about our stories, our projects, um, and that that's okay. I mean, that's that's how we that's how we live. I mean, every day, um, our work is our life, and our life is our work. So, um, 
we don't really need to escape it. I mean, sometimes you do need to decompress, you know, I'll watch some football sure. or I'll watch a horror movie. Um, but yeah, no, I just, we love our work so much that we don't really need to get away from it. And within your, within your writing process, do you ever get stuck? And if so, how do you get unstuck? Uh, I not really, I mean, there have been, okay. There are a couple, you know, I, once I start to write an idea, I'll, I'll finish it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are two manuscripts that are in my desk literally and physically, you know, uh, 300 page printed manuscripts also in the notebooks. Um, so like, Ann and I, we kind of joke, like we, I don't give up on a story, so I'm going to tell the story. And then after I put it down and I realize, well, maybe I, I'm glad I finished it, but that's going to stay in the drawer for a while, or maybe that's going to stay in the drawer forever. So, um, I don't seem to lack for stories. Uh, thank goodness. Um, maybe that will happen, but I hope not. Yeah. I love that. What a, yeah, what a gift. You're like, yeah, I don't really get stuck. So that's, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, how have we talked about no judgments and how, you know, it, it opens writing has opened, opened the mind. How has, how have you gotten better at listening through writing? Well, by nature, I'm, I'm more of an introvert. So I, I'll walk under a walk into a room and I'll just listen and observe. That's kind of my, that's how I get my, my sea legs under me, how I get comfortable. I don't like barge into a room and present myself. Uh, so I like to observe and listen and just as a writer, just even people that maybe you don't really want to hang out with to really listen to them and watch their mannerisms and why they believe this belief that they're presenting is fascinating. Um, I don't understand it, but that to me is what makes it compelling is just to listen and um especially it seems like in our current environment um you need to listen <laughs> and maybe not respond as much right um yes so i think yeah writing in general has just made me a good listener but by nature that's the kind of person i am i i, I watch people i observe hmm. their mannerisms and, and how they react to uh, certain situations hmm. is there a a common piece of incorrect advice that you've heard in life or, you know, within writing? Well, you always hear that thing, you know, just write what you know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems to be a common thing. Um, and I like to tackle things that I, I learn about, you know, I mean, um, this new book, there's a lot of female characters in it. Um, the main character, she's a, she's a deaf woman. So, um, I like to write about and learn about people. And if I just, if I just wrote what I, what I knew and know, you know, I would be writing mainly stories about, um, alcoholic, um, hunters in Pennsylvania. Uh, so it's, you know, write what you know, but also keep learning and keep, getting to, you know, read other things. So, you know, other things and learn about other people, men, women, you know, across the board. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, uh, so as we're wrapping up here, I'm, I'm curious in recent times, maybe post pandemic, if you will, are there any changes you've made that have increased positivity and decreased negativity in your life? Well, you know, now that I'm here on this Island, I spend a lot more time outside. I like, you know, I do a lot of writing. I mean, a lot of walking. Yeah. Um, I quit another addiction. I quit smoking about three years ago. So now I do a lot of hiking. Okay. And recently uh, I started to meditate and um, the 30 year old version of me listening to Sam say, I meditate would have been laughing mm -hmm. and snickering and going, Oh sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're on the West coast now. So you're, uh, you're meditating, but the meditation process is this really kind of stripping away all the external stuff around you, you know, all the stuff, all the bullshit you got to do, you know, you got to fix the washer and dryer. You got to pay this bill. Right. You got to do this errand. And it's just kind of just getting into your head and just kind of letting all that stuff go and giving your brain a break. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, cause what I've learned is like when you're sleeping, your brain is still working overtime. Um, but in meditation, you're trying to just give your brain a little bit of a break just to, to, to breathe and um, let some of this toxic stuff go. Is this uh, 15 minutes, an, an hour? Do you do it? It is. Which, yeah, I don't think I could do an hour. So, yeah, it's, okay. it's a 15 minute session. Okay. Um, so, I'm, you know, I, I, I really like it. So, it's something I hope I can stick with because it seems to be. Um, demonstrating a lot of benefits for me, you do know, you, mentally. Do you have a, an app you use or is this a loving kindness meditation? Do you have a, a favorite chair or spot inside or outside? Is it? So, you know, I did, it was something I watched online and I just learned about it and, you know, practiced and did the breathing and the exercises. Uh, but now I like to go outside um, and sit at the beach and listen to the water and just, I mean, the power of water is just, you know, um, staggering. So yeah. that seems just to wash away a lot of other of your worries. You know, when you just hear this, this organic sound of water rushing or the wind blowing. Um, so fortunately I live in an environment where I can do that. Mm. You know, I used to live in Los Angeles where, um, there wasn't quiet, right. There, there isn't quiet. Yeah. Was that a big, was that a big decision to, to move? locations it was a very easy one for me okay um you know although i loved los angeles i mean there's so much diversity there and great restaurants and art and music yeah um i you know i grew up in a small town and i didn't think i would ever want to go back to a small town and this this small community is much different than one in pennsylvania yeah. so i i feel like i finally found my home when i came to orcas island and, you know, you, you do need to have a sense of, um, if you need a lot of external things to keep you going, Orcas Island is not the place for you, right? You know, you, you gotta have your own thing, whether it's walking or art, being alone. Um, so it wasn't a big transition for me. And plus I like the weather out here. I like the, the rain and the gloom. That's, that kind of seems to be my thing. <laughs> I know you say that, but it is absolutely, I mean, I haven't been out there, but I've seen photos. It is absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome out here. It's incredible. And I, I thought that I thought, I think it's really interesting that you bring up the being alone aspect. I feel like, you know, you learn the most about yourself when you're alone. 
And the yeah, way- it's not always easy, is it? You know, uh, because I think you're usually you're your own worst critic, right? Yeah, always it seems. And and when you're alone, you're alone with yourself, who's criticizing you for why'd you say that and why'd you do that? Um, yeah. Yeah, so. you just learn to be more at peace with yourself and your thoughts, and I, I think it's absolutely wonderful that you tackle it. Um, in life first, but also in your writing. So I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. I've come away from her. It's going to be out January 10th, 2023. Um, I I can't wait to see what you continue to create. And I, I so appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up today? Well, that really puts me on the spot. Is this the billboard moment? No, if you have one, if not, it's all good. Anything that comes to mind, I asks, plugs, whatever, anything. You know, I'm, I'm going to let it just, I'm just going to let it end here. I'm that kind of guy. So, um, no, it's been so much fun talking to you. I love talking about the process and, uh, now hopefully we'll do it again. People of the world, Samuel W. Gailey. You've been listening to entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.